On our Wednesday Spotlight on KRWC, usually the second Wednesday of the month is taken by uh, Wright County Public Health, but we have a guest in in lieu of public health today to talk about uh, some aspects of what's been going on in the world and its effect on uh, agribusiness people. Emily Kreckelberg is an extension educator with the University of Minnesota Extension Service. She's a a farm safety and health uh, specialist out of the Rochester office. And Emily, good morning to you. Good morning, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for joining us. We uh, appreciate uh, being able to talk with you. And uh, this uh, is certainly a topic that affects many of our Wright County uh, farm community and listeners. And if nothing else, it's uh, it's good for uh, folks to know, uh, even if they're not in agribusiness, uh, kind of what farmers have been going through. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that that's something that I do get a lot of questions about uh, from people who, who aren't in agriculture, but even people who live in rural communities or even less than rural communities also are really concerned and curious about what is happening. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have seen decreased prices for a while in farming, six, seven years. So there has been an increase in stress on on farms in minnesota and throughout the country and now uh with the COVID 19 outbreak as well that is just kind of exacerbating an already stressful situation for farmers i was just about to say you know it it seems like uh farmers would have every right to just be shaking their heads i mean we finally as you said we've gone through long periods here of down markets and at the same time um, more costly to produce the product that is in a down market. And then uh, we finally, and then last year, of course, we had the very, very wet situation all year long. Mm-hmm. We finally get a good spring and now uh, the coronavirus. So it's, uh, boy, I tell you, it's there's got to be a lot of pressure out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I personally am a dairy girl. Um, I grew up on a dairy farm in South Central Minnesota and have previously worked in dairy for extension. And I know that, you know, the dairy farmers that I've worked with were just starting to see their prices come up. You know, things, things were looking up, the, the clouds were clearing maybe a little bit. Um, then with all of this disruption to the food supply chain and, and everything else caused by this virus, um, yeah, we've just seen this huge disruption and the uh, ripples from it are really being felt everywhere, I mean, in all industries, but in agriculture especially. Before we get further down the path on this topic, and we're, we're going to uh, dig into it uh, a fair amount here, let's talk a little bit about what you uh, kind of, uh, outside of, you know, what's been happening here in the last couple of months, what's your normal um, part of your job that you focus on during normal times? Well, that is a really excellent question that I don't know that I have a good answer to. Um, I actually just took this position with Extension um, as a farm safety and health educator. Before this, I spent the last seven years still uh, with University of Minnesota Extension as the livestock educator for Stearns, Benton, and Morrison counties. Okay. And uh, so I've spent the last seven years really working with dairy farmers in central Minnesota, um, working with beef producers as well, doing work in farm safety and health, and for the last couple of years have had an interest in, in you know, farm stress and, and farmer mental health and farmer wellness. Um, and so, yeah, now with my new position, 
I will be doing the the farm stress and health stuff full time, which is really awesome. Uh, so I lead Extension's Rural Stress Task Force. So that's kind of our response team to, uh, you know, building programs and and creating resources and sharing resources from other organizations uh, for for farmers, for families, for communities, uh, for youth, all of that uh, related to this concept of rural stress. And so I don't I don't really know what a normal day looks like yet because <laughs> since I've taken this job, I have just worked at the kitchen counter every day. Um, <laughs> well, it sounds. So, it sounds I like it'll be a lot of um, traveling the state and talking to farmers and figuring out what their needs are. And, you know, farm safety is just really important and, and health goes hand in hand with that in my mind. And so, uh, you know, be on the lookout for lots of new and exciting things coming from Extension on those topics. I was going to say, it sounds like you got into um, uh, your specialty here on this uh end of things uh, really just in time because it's, um, uh, you know, it's going to be with us presumably for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been um, challenging timing, but really good timing, too, that I've been able to just jump right in and, and work on some response things and get some different pieces together. So I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Emily Kreckelberg is our guest here from um, the University of Minnesota Extension, kind of specializing in uh, farm stress and and zeroing in on that. Let's talk a little bit about some of the impacts that uh, the uh, epidemic uh, and now pandemic has had on the agricultural um, industry as, as a whole. And maybe you can kind of point out some of the specific impacts, uh, you know, through producers, depending on what, you know, their specialty is, whether it be livestock or crops or both or dairy, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think before we really get into the COVID-19 discussion, you know, we need to back up. And like I had already mentioned, farmers were already under a lot of stress or there was a lot of pressure on them. Just with, as you mentioned, last year we had some very challenging weather that really impacted what farms were able to do, um, especially as crops are related. And so there's already been kind of just this growing, um, you know, pile of things that farmers need to think about or deal with. And then now we've introduced COVID-19 into all of this as well. And so when you think about, you know, a cup that is just about overflowing and then COVID-19 is kind of that last drop, right, that might make it all spill over. And so what we're seeing is, as I mentioned, um, there have been huge disruptions in the food supply chain. So on the dairy side, for example, we saw all these people rushing to grocery stores, buying all the dairy products, and then dairy products being limited. You know, you can only buy one or two products per trip, and then heard out of Wisconsin that they were telling farmers, we can't take your milk, you know, we're we're reducing production. So people dumping milk or being encouraged to reduce their production, Um, you know, cull cows, all of those kinds of things. And so that's what we've seen on the dairy side. Um, On the general livestock side, specifically with beef and with pork, uh, we have seen a lot of plant closures. And I know that a lot of people have asked me, like, well, are the plant closures because there's just not enough people buying meat or what's going on? And really what we've seen there is 
outbreaks of COVID-19. And so for worker safety, they've had to close these plants. But then that has caused a huge backlog um, of animals that are ready to be slaughtered and have nowhere to go. And so that, in turn, has really um, revved up direct marketing for farmers. So people who just sell their, you know, sell their products or sell a pig or sell a steer directly to a consumer, and then the consumer can go and, and, you know, get that meat processed. And then that brings up another issue because we only have so many um, small uh, custom meat processors that are certified in the state. And now I've heard of backlogs in some parts of the state where people are calling to get a steer slaughtered and they say, yep, we can take you in December or we can take you in January. So there's all these things going on um, on the livestock side. You know, that was my former specialty with extension. So I've really been paying attention to those the most. Uh, but on the crop side, too, I mean, we've seen huge impacts in the markets, um, prices going lower and lower, and they'll maybe rally a little bit. Um, I haven't checked uh, the CME today, but I know that, yeah, there's just all of these things, and it seems like I could just go on and on and on. Um, and when there's all these things happening, the biggest thing we need to remember is these things are outside of our control, right? And that is what, in my mind, is the most stressful part of this. That's what makes anything stressful is we can't control it. We, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know why it's happening to begin with, um, and that can be really hard, and, and that can take its toll on, on anybody, and especially in today's world, uh, I certainly think that it takes its toll on farmers. Yeah, you bring up some good points, and I have said uh, on, on this show and, and others just in general conversation that one of the more frustrating things about all of this is just the simply... Uh, I don't know factor. I don't know how many times that I've said that. You know, we just don't, uh, you know, we can have predictions and look at trends, but we just, as you say, really don't know for sure what the next step is. And it's, I think people uh, need predictability, even if it's, uh, even if it's bad news sometimes, at least if you know uh, what's going to be happening, it's uh, maybe a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. I have heard that sentiment from a lot of people of, like, I don't even care if it's good or bad, just knowing. Because then, you know, if it is bad news, you can start to move through that process of, of coping with it. And then, you know, if it is good news, then you know. Uh, but yes, the not knowing is the hardest thing. And I think the word that we're all probably sick of hearing by now is unprecedented, mm -hmm. right? These are unprecedented times. This is an unprecedented situation. Um, and that, yeah, that is just hard for the average person. You know, it's hard for you and me. It's hard for farmers. It's hard uh, for all of our frontline workers. It's hard for everybody. Um, not knowing when the end is in sight or what the end's going to look like or what our next normal is going to look like. Um, it is a lot. And so we are seeing an increase in in feelings of anxiety and just general stress across the board due to this. And I think we should uh, probably keep in mind uh, at the same time that uh, farmers or livestock producers or what have you uh, are going through this in their business side of things, many, many, many of them have families that, uh, you know, the kids aren't going to school, so they've got to do the distance learning just like anybody else. And so the, uh, the stress components continue to pile up. 
Oh, absolutely. That is such a great point um, that it's, yeah, not just isolated to stress in the business where maybe prior to COVID-19, it was a little more, you know, business exclusive, right? Uh, but now we're seeing, yeah, the way it's impacting our family systems too. And kids are home and, you know, maybe they want to be out helping on the farm and they need to be doing schoolwork. And how do you balance being a parent and a teacher and a farmer and, you know, and everything else all at once. And now knowing that, um, you know, we're out of school for the rest of the year. And, of course, if you are a parent to a senior and, you know, you have a senior that has missed out on, on prom and graduation and their final season of sports and whatever else it might be, um, it is so hard because you're trying to take care of yourself and keep yourself well and be supportive for your children and, you know, your spouse, your other family members as well. So this is, you know, an issue that goes far beyond just there's this virus and, you know, it's stressful to deal with or prices are low and that's stressful to deal with. It's this huge kind of tangled web. Yeah. Emily Kreckelberg, our guest, Extension Educator specializing in farm safety and health. We're talking about um, farm stress and uh, combined with the COVID-19 stress. Let's move into, if you don't mind, Emily, uh, some of the strategies that you are uh, suggesting on uh, some of the coping mechanisms to all of this. Yeah, you know, stress is is hard, and it's hard to, to teach about sometimes because we all cope with stress in a different way, and I think most importantly, we all have a different threshold for stress. And that's really showing, particularly, I think, right now with what's going on in the world. Some people are doing okay, and that's just they're naturally resilient, and, and that's the way they are. Some people are doing less than okay, and that's, you know, just the way that they are, too. And so we need to recognize that it's different for everybody. Um, and so with that, you know, some strategies when we're kind of thinking about how do we cope with this uh, you, we got to take it easy on ourselves, first and foremost. You know, I've already mentioned the hardest thing about this is it's outside of our control. The number one thing that we can always control is ourselves. And so it's the thing that I always encourage all farmers to do and all people to do is self-care, which I think sometimes we think sounds a little, a little weird or a little crazy or, or we don't know what that really means. Uh, but quite simply, self-care is any deliberate action you take to take care of your physical, mental, and or emotional health. So getting enough sleep at night is self-care. And eating well-balanced meals throughout the day is self-care. Drinking enough water is self-care. Um, you know, connecting with your friends or, you know, calling your neighbor to check on them. That's self-care. Uh, just doing things that we enjoy, you know, pursuing a hobby or, you know, being out going for a walk with our family. All those things, self-care. So just these really simple things that we can go back to um, to kind of help get us grounded and, and to recenter ourselves and to make sure that we are okay. Um, something that I was told a couple years ago that has really stuck with me is that you can't pour out of an empty cup, right? So think about what fills your cup. And some things, you know, things like sleep and eating well um, and staying hydrated, those are good for everybody. But then some of those mental and emotional things, those are different for people. So find what works for you. Um, I really like going running, and I really like reading and writing. So 
So those are the things I've been doing to kind of help take care of myself. So I really encourage people to find what are those things, what are those tools that they can keep in their toolbox uh, to take care of themselves. Um, you kind of are touching on it a little bit, but um, maybe another factor in all of this is uh, at the same time that you're taking care of yourself, one big part of that is staying connected to the people that you would normally be connected with. Now, you might have to do it a little differently, but um, uh, at least attempting to maintain that connection. Yes, absolutely. Social connection is critical to mental health across the board. And actually, I believe it was South Dakota State University, they did some research with farmers and ranchers, and uh, they had them do a survey about their stress levels and their mental health. And the ones that said they had a stronger social network or stronger social connection reported having less feelings of depression. And so they did kind of find this tie that when we have people we can lean on and talk to Um, It is better for our mental health, and it's much better for our emotional health, too, which is really focused on that social piece as well. And it can be challenging um, in times like these when we're not supposed to see each other or, you know, social distancing. Um, But And I'm somebody who doesn't love the term social distancing because we still want to be socially connected. So how do we stay physically distanced but socially close? And, you know, we all know there's Zoom calls and there's things like that. And I know that not every farmer or every person in a rural community, even in Wright County, would have good access to to Internet or broadband to do those things. And so I'm encouraging people, you know, just pick up the phone. Just call somebody. You can also send them a letter. I've been sending cards to some of my coworkers, just little, you know, pick-me-ups, something that they're totally not expecting, just something to kind of brighten their day and, it's good for me, too. It allows me to write. It kind of allows me to still be social with them, you know, sending emails, too, even. Um, or if you have a neighbor, especially somebody you know that's maybe older or lives alone, you know, cook them a meal and go over and leave it on their doorstep with a note just saying, you know, how much you appreciate them or, you know, how much you miss them if it's somebody that you usually talk to a lot. There are a lot of things that we can do to still be social, um, even when we physically cannot be close to people. It points out uh, something that I think that uh, a lot of people have been saying or that we've been hearing a lot lately is uh, the the interconnection of, of everybody. And we've all heard the, a million times now, we're all in this together, which is very true. You know, you might by this time be getting a little bit uh, tired of hearing it, but it's uh, it, it really... No matter which way you say it, um, everybody is kind of going through the same things in a little different fashion, maybe. But um, it goes back to that, you know, not knowing what's next. So all we can do is kind of hold it together between each other. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I tell people, um, a friend told me this once, and it's really stuck with me. And that was, we might not all be in the same boat but we are in the same ocean. And so, you know, when the ocean is stormy, everybody experiences that. But we might be in different boats, so we'll experience it differently. Some will experience harsher impacts from it, and others won't. And so that is something that I try to keep in mind of, because I think some people, yes, are getting some fatigue about, the, oh, we're all in this together. And it's like, well, no, this person has it better than me, or that person does. And, and comparison is not going to help us right now. 
um, but really just uniting and remembering, yeah, maybe we're not in the same boat, but we're in the same ocean, and we're all coping with this, and we all want it to go away, and we all want the next normal to start for us. And so, you know, practicing that self-care and and maintaining our social connectedness with people, uh, those are ways that we can help stay resilient during this time and and be ready for what that next step is going to look like. Great points. Let's finish up, Emily, if we can, uh, with some information now, maybe more specific again to the agriculture industry on uh, where people can turn to for, uh, you know, maybe a little more specific information related to them if they're feeling like they need uh, either, you know, something as far as uh, a little stress help or uh, even just general information, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, You know, and I had mentioned that, you know, we see this impacting not just farmers on a farm business level, but, you know, their family structures and what's happening in their communities, too. And our extension website has a ton of information on all sorts of topics related to COVID-19 response. So there are things on, you know, how to do a 14-day meal plan on a smaller budget, Um, some family financial tips for reduced income, which some people may be experiencing if somebody potentially works off farm but, you know, is currently furloughed. So lots of information there and all of the information from our Rural Stress Task Force um, and Rural Stress in general. So that's at extension.umn.edu. And then another great resource that I have been using is UMASH, which is the Upper Midwest Agricultural Safety and Health Center. Uh, They have put together a great resource page on their website with a ton of information for agricultural workers, and especially if you are um, a farm owner or operator that has employees and you're wondering, you know, what do we do if an employee gets sick or, you know, how does this impact them? And the great thing is a lot of those resources are available in both English and Spanish. So it makes them more accessible um, for some farm workers or farm owners that may not have English as their first language. And so that information you can find at umash, U-M-A-S-H dot U-M-N dot E-D-U. And then also general stress information uh, is available from the Minnesota Department of Ag. They do a great job um, of, of getting all these resources together and, and sharing what's available with people, including hotline services, counseling services, um, the Minnesota Farm Advocates, all sorts of things. And you can find their information at mnfarmstress.com. Great, and we will um, certainly be able to uh, have some links to uh, all of this as we uh, uh, rebroadcast uh, the program later on, too. Emily, I appreciate uh, all of the time today and the information, and uh, it's been great talking with you. And um, good luck as you venture forward here and getting getting off the shore into the water on, on your new uh, position with the Extension. Yes, thank you so much, Tim, and thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Be safe. Thanks. Emily Krekelberg, our guest today, Extension Educator, Farm Safety and uh, Health uh, Specifics from U of M Extension out of the Rochester area today, kind of uh, taking our normal public health space uh, today, the second Wednesday of the month, but uh, we'll have public health officials in from time to time on Spotlight, or at least on the program. I'm used to saying in, but uh, we're doing everything, of course, by phone 
um, and uh, probably will be for some time to come. So we appreciate all of the opportunities to talk with our various guests on Spotlight here on KRWC.